शिला गुरुदेव की जय श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जय गौर भक्तवृंद की जय गौर प्रमानंद हरि गो सो गुड मॉर्निंग टू ऑल ऑफ यू फ्रॉम माधुबन कोस्टरिका वेरी हैप्पी टू to continue sharing with each one of you in this series of Vaishnava etiquette trying to to discuss and to think and rethink if you will uh, which is the role of rules uh, in in our in, in our loving project you know, that we call the life of the sadaka so today is our fifth meeting and we are <clears throat> continuing speaking about guru seva this is the third lecture about guru seva <clears throat> and i think it may be the last one connected to this specific department of vaishnava etiquette even though we will continue speaking in terms of sadhu sangha in a more if you will general way not only limited to the principle of shri guru but to all the vaishnavas in in next lecture So let's make some brief recap of what we were um discussing last uh, Monday yeah last Monday in our second meeting about guru seva so well we made some emphasis in the first lecture on guru seva we make a considerable emphasis on the absolute side of sri guru which has to do with his her Uh, role of, as a perfect teacher ideal example of practice representational uh, manifestation of hari in our lives and so on mm-hmm. that side is absolute and regarding that absolute side we were emphasizing the need for our absolute giving in that connection but also mm, we emphasize we stress how important equally important if you will is to know how to deal with the relative side of Sri Guru and, and how to know how to respond to that and of course all this in connection to the very to the uniqueness of one's relationship with Sri Guru that is very uh, peculiar because as we mentioned it's basically we don't have that type of relationship so particular so specific with anyone else in our life basically or maybe with some other few figures that will act as gurus in our life but generally it's a very very unique hmm, connection as we were mentioning giving some examples uh he he on one sense the guru is friend father teacher god <laughs> and servant even hmm, but mainly he's serving but he's he's receiving our service but also his servant but also his friend father teacher but all of that not in the sense that we generally are accustomed to in our anadi karma journey now we have certain samskar from uh, unlimited lifetimes of conceiving certain things in certain ways what's a friend what's a father what's a mother what's a teacher what's god mm-hmm. and now in this present lifetime we find sri guru sri guru found find us <laughs> finds us and we have to properly uh, understand in which sense Sri Guru is a friend. In which sense he's a teacher? In which sense 
he's a fatherly figure and, and be careful not to project uh, r temporary limited conceptions in that d direction and also again being open in connection to the relativity of of the, re the relative side of the guru figure that the guru will be absolute in terms of uh, achar prachar ideally that should be so he should ideally present that absolute if he, in, in the sense of perfect example and teaching but on other fields and on other areas of knowledge guru does not need to be expert in everything so we shouldn't be expecting that we should have healthy sustainable expectations in regard in relation to the guru as disciples so in this sense we should limit if you will ourselves to a particular type of uh, expectations and exchange with the guru and not asking him or her to be our again psychologist financial advisor or whatever he may he may me not uh, he may he she may extend in a compassionate way his her help to us in those areas as much as he she is able to do so but doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be absolute and perfect and ideal as it should be in connection to revelation and achar and so on so we try to make that clear first in our previous class and then we start to share some some important points to consider some tips about how to uh, relate with the figure of the guru for example when we are with him or her um, personally when guru is coming we should ideally stand up to receive that person to give proper if you will honor to who is coming Sri Guru uh, or how to offer our pranam on a daily basis you know, the scripture says you should at least offer obeisances to your Guru uh, the very first time you see him on, on, or her during the day and that's that's also how to say you no know, sometimes I've seen that some devotees they want to be seen by Sri Guru when they are offering their obeisances but that's not the point I mean we are not offering obeisances so Sri Guru sees our extended falling on the ground or whatever so the point is you may see your Guru for the first time at the distance and ideally you should offer your pranam at that moment you shouldn't expect wait for him or her to be close to you so he can see you because it's a way of trying to to, to, to take the attention trying to be center to be the center and that's not so much in the spirit of amani nam anadena so we should offer our pranam in the very first moment we see Sri Guru no matter if he or she is seeing us we should have the confidence if we are offering pranam sincerely that's enough we are being seen in the proper way <laughs> not trying to make some show and we also mentioned which offer obeisance is giving up our front side to Sri Guru, not in silence, invoking his her pranam mantra. Mm -hmm. Also, we mentioned how to deal with the name of the Guru. This is not something cheap to be pronounced openly in every and single situation. Uh, only if the situation requires so, we may share that in a very detailed way. It's a way of keeping something secret and confidential. Again, we have to know how to go, if you will, beyond the, the letter of the law and go to the spirit of it even though which form it may take circumstantially also we share some different ways of approach of if, if we have to invoke the name of our guru ideally it should be done so this is also mentioned by Sanatana Goswami Haribhakti Vilas many of these points are, are, are taken from
from Hari Bhakti Vilas, as we mentioned, Sanatana Goswami is the Acharya of Achar of Mariat, empowered by Mahaprabhu. So in his Hari Bhakti Vilas, he has shared many, many details. So details are very important, but also we should know how not to be overwhelmed with that. So here I'm making some brief summary of many of these points, the most important ones shared by Sanatana Goswami. So he also mentions we should invoke the name of our Guru with certain prefacing it with certain titles on Vishnupad, Astotra, Sad, and so on, proper attitude, falling hands, in full humility, trying to enter into a particular mood. Because invoking the name of Sri Guru is, is in one way like when you are invoking the name of Krishna. You are entering, you try to enter into a particular type of spirit. Also, we mentioned how to deal with this when we are in Kirtan. We should we shouldn't pronounce directly the name of our Guru while glorifying him in Kirtama. We should resort to more generic titles like Gurudev, Guru Maharaj, Prabhupada. So in such a way that whoever is present there, who may not be my God sibling, may feel comfortable and may feel, oh, those titles are applicable to my particular Gurudev. So that's a very important point of being considerate and sensitive enough with the environment. Not only in the name of expressing my feeling, affection and attachment, I'm transgressing any, every other one, all the other people's feelings they may have. So that's the whole art. When you glorify your guru, you should do that in such a way that every other guru is glorified. The whole parampara is included. The feelings of every um, bona fide disciples are taken into consideration. If not, we call that fundamentalism, fanaticism, and in the name of your guru, you may end over-glorifying your guru, and that implies under-glorifying his, her position, ultimately. So how to deal with that? Again, pronounce his name with other disciples of other gurus, what to speak with uh, god-brothers of my own guru, and so on. So, also we mentioned, of course, some things that may be obvious for many of you, like not to sit in your guru's in the Guru's seat or asana, not to walk over him, not to walk over his picture, uh, not to imitate hmm, Sri Guru in every every sense of the term. Uh, Anukar means to imitate, hmm, so we shouldn't imitate. And also we share in this point the interesting thing, not to imitate his movements, his words, his way of conducting, or not to imitate his standard of action, because most probably we are not there, and most probably once Guru, own Guru, have gone through so many tests and, and, and practices even for many lifetimes to reach the place he, she is now in. So we should acknowledge all those things in order to follow in his, her footsteps, but not imitate. So sometimes that may help to, I, I was sharing this idea, it's nice that you may hear the lectures of your Guru from 20 or 30 or 40 years ago and compare them with the present lectures and to appreciate the whole journey, if you will that personality has gone through in this lifetime, what to speak in previous lives, and understand, no, oh, okay, he had gone through all the things to get there, and who knows where I am, but most probably I will need to go through many of those things, not necessarily all, and on one point, Sri Guru himself will be mercifully enough to, uh, merciful enough to share with us certain insights he has received from certain tests, that by us receiving those insights, we may not necessarily go through those tests. So the the, 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 road, the, the path is, is making it easier in one sense. But it doesn't speak that 
we will be safe from going through some tests. That will be totally a must, necessary. We should be happily willing to do so. So, and again, Sri Guru, even on certain levels, may conduct himself, herself in a much... Uh, like, for example, this point. We are speaking about Vaishnava etiquette, and we are emphasizing some points and details. And sometimes someone may say, what, but my Guru has not, has, did not emphasize all those things. But it doesn't mean that he didn't follow them. Or maybe you may say he's not following them all in detail because, again, he may have a waking bhava and, and, and the bhava is, the, is the, the, the thing that is ruling now. But in order to reach there, he must maybe probably follow all the things in utmost detail for many decades. So, again, we are not to imitate the Guru. Once Srila Siddhar Maharaj mentioned, I, in my behavior, Srila Siddhar Maharaj said, I am more strict than my Guru Maharaj, because I'm not in the position of my Guru Maharaj. So that's an important point. Sometimes we take the opposite. When, when the Guru is showing certain example that seems more comfortable for us, then we, we follow our Guru, if you will. We imitate, basically, in that case. And when he's doing something that is overtly more difficult, we say, no, he's very high, we cannot follow him. I'm so low, I have to follow my own standard. <laughs> but we should know how, how to do that in which moment. So sometimes Sri Guru may not be so strict in certain details, because not because uh, he or she is not willing to do so, but because he has gone through them all together and reached some higher level. But we are not there, so we should be more strict in that sense. Not because we, we are, I'm not more strict than my Guru because I'm higher than him, but on the opposite. So also we share some other commonsensical advice, like you shouldn't instruct your guru, thinking yourself uh, more smart, smarter than him or her. But of course you can uh, advise, give share certain advice to Sri Guru in the spirit of Seva, which is not to be done by anyone, not by everyone. In the beginning certain uh, disciples may not have too many things to say, as my Guru Maharaj sometimes quotes Sila Prabhupada saying, my grandchildren are coming, but my children are not coming. So yet, my disciples are like babies yet. So I appreciate, I love them, I nourish them, but I'm not receiving too much input from them yet. So, okay, you cannot force that. But at some point, certain disciples may, in a spirit of service, give some advice to Sri Guru, or even in certain intimate connections, as we'll see, they may, they may also not chastise the Guru, but... Say, no, Guru Devas, my Guru Maharaj said, example, Guru may be too old and want to speak Harikata more, and disciples say, no, Guru Maharaj, enough Harikata today, your health has to be taken care of, and so on. So we should understand, of course, we shouldn't imitate that, but there is a place for that in the context of Vishrambena Guru Seva, intimate affection service. Also in this context, one should, it is advised not to speak of about one's own glories in front of Sri Guru, quote-unquote, one's own glories. One shouldn't feel, I have any glories, any glory are the gift of my Guru. But one shouldn't express oneself about, I don't know, what I accomplished and I did this in front of one's Guru. Even if one feels whatever I have accomplished is by the grace of my Guru, at least if you say something, it will be very clearly in that context, expressed in that context. There is a place for that. There is a place for you to recognize I have certain talents, certain capacities, certain insights, but all of that is coming by the mercy of my Guru. Once my Guru must say that, Bhakti is, is 
is of such nature that you don't have, strictly speaking, if you understand the nature of bhakti and how bhakti comes to our lives, there is no scope for being um, proud. Hmm? There's no scope because you understand this is a gift. This is a totally undeserved gift. So how can I become proud of of having bhakti and of um, from the byproducts that come to my life as as because of bhakti being in my life. So strictly speaking, we have all the reasons to be humble and not a single reason to be proud. So even if some great capacity comes to us, some empowerment, even if you will, we should acknowledge this is my Guru Maharaj's mercy, the Vaishnava's mercy. This is a famous story of one disciple of maybe you already know the story. And I'm making some summary and also adding some new stuff, so it's kind of between the two. There's uh, one disciple of, there was one disciple of Sri Ramanujacharya, the famous systematizer of the Sri Sampradaya. And he was a very, a pretty talented personality. He was expert in everything, basically, in cooking, in singing, in whatever. Whatever you said, he was very expert in that. He was very expert in the scriptures and so on. So at one point, some of his god brothers started like to praise him. No, you cook so nice, no, and and these devotees say yes, and you sing so incredibly, and the devotees say yes, you are right, <laughs> and you know shastra so well, you are such a pundit. You say yes, so he started to confirm, accept all those praises. No, so the the the, the, the god brothers of him became concerned. Say, oh, maybe he has all these qualities, but maybe he has also the quality of being proud. No? So I, I, we don't want that because he's such a brilliant devotee. So, so uh, the last thing we want is that all those things become like, uh, whatever, ruined by the presence of pride. So they went to Ramanuja, to their guru, and presented the case. And say, this devotee is so incredible, but every time we mention some any of his talents he immediately uh, acknowledges them and says, yes, yes, I have that, I have that. So that it doesn't seem like he's being humble. So we are concerned about him, Gurudev. So Ramanujacharya called the devotee and he presented the situation. He said, well, your god brothers are concerned, they love you and they are concerned about you. So all this speaks about what should be sadhu sangha, you know, how affectionate we should be with each other and how concerned we should be about each other's welfare well-being, sorry, and if we see something that is not very becoming, like pride or something, we should be concerned about helping that person in one way or another. So they were not envious of him and denounced him in front of his guru. No, no, they were really well-wishers. So we should be as well between ourselves. We will speak about more about this starting from next class. So basically, Ramanujacharya said, they ask you that if you sing nice, that they say you sorry that you sing nicely and and, and cook beautifully and no shastra, you say yes to everything. So how to how to explain that? So the disciples say, "Well, Guru Maharaj, if I cook nicely, it's only by your mercy. If I sing beautifully, it's only by your mercy. If I know shastra, it's only by your mercy. So if I deny the presence of those." attributes, it's, I'm denying the presence of your mercy in my life. 
and I will be a totally ungrateful disciple. So that's why I acknowledge and accept all those things are there, because all those things means your grace on me is there only because of your grace. I'm able to do those things in such a nice way. <laughs> so Ramanujacharya realized, oh wow, these disciples is really expert in everything, humility included. So to be humble doesn't necessarily mean I'm the worst of all, there's nothing good in me. Of course, at times, some of our acharyas have expressed in those terms in some symptoms of extreme humility that we cannot imitate. We cannot even conceive what must it mean to be there. But at the same time, I would say a healthy level of intermediate humility is not to say nothing good in me, nothing good in me, but acknowledge so many nice things are in my life, but none of them are my own merit. All of them are the grace of Guru and Vaishnava. So we mentioned some ideas in this connection, and we also finished our previous lecture by uh, sharing the caution of not associating ourselves with those who are envious of Sri Guru, who are offending Sri Guru, and how to express our humility in front of Aparat. We gave this example, some examples in that connection. So basically those ideas we shared last class, of course, uh, many of these tips are shared, as I mentioned, in Hari Bhakti Vilas. And this is a book that was composed by Srila Sanatana Goswami, uh, let's say, 500 years ago, half a millennia. So you can imagine how much the world has changed and how many... Of course, the, the, the gist of all this, the principles are still there, and I think you understand which is the idea of all these points, but also the form that this... Uh, advices will take also that may change in time for example I will say that we, we should write a whole if you will chapter at least if not in a whole book about how social media and Vaishnava etiquette if you will <laughs> no? the role of social media we are speaking about Sri Guru so I may say okay if you are in front of Sri Guru you shouldn't be using social media in front of him you should be chatting in front of your Guru you shouldn't use your whatever, no? all these new uh, paradigms, modern paradigms that are applicable to how to deal with Sriguru because all these items represent uh, destruction, if you will, in, in one could represent that, of course, we are using them right now, but are potentially a destruction or, or a way of catching our attention in, in, on, in the not the best direction. So the point is this, if I'm in front of my guru, that means something that means a lot so how we all will behave in that in front of that person no? and so on so another chapter for social media we'll try to share some ideas along the, the classes so <clears throat> so let's continue today with some other extra uh, advice and recommendations also coming from Hari Bhakti Vilas most of them but again m many of them I hope you may feel them are quite uh, logical and common sense and sensitive to to a proper Vaishnava mm -hmm. attitude towards Sri Guru. Mm -hmm. Also, Sanatana Goswami in Haribhakti Vilas shares many points that are mostly applicable to the situation where the Sevaka or the disciple is living with Sri Guru in the ashram, in the Guru Kul. So this is a typical classical Indian setting. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we may say, well, nowadays this is not the case. Almost there is no situation like this, especially in Western countries, but also in India. Dynamics change, society change. But, again, we can catch the essence of this advice. 
we shouldn't get stuck in the form it takes, but in the essence of that. And the famous example sometimes given is, you may throw a, throw a bone to a dog, and the dog will go after right after the bone. That will be his only um, focal point, his only concern. Now, if you throw a bone to a lion, don't try it at home, but I'm just given using that as analogy, the lion will see the bone flying, and after that will go look back and see the one who throw through the bone and say, "Oh, this is much more nourishment. There's much much nourishment in the one who threw the bone than in the bone itself." <laughs> so in the same way, the bone represents the, ex the external presentation of something. Uh, sometimes we may become enchanted and overtly attached to that, but the one who threw the bone means the active principle or, or what's the ultimate essential application of all these different rules mm, in the context of, again, love. Mm. So I will share this and you will realize many of these apply mainly in the context of living with the Guru in the Gurukul and so on, but again, this can be applicable on many situations, at least when the Guru is visiting and you have the chance of doing rendering some Bapu or personal Seva to Sri Guru. Mm. So for example... Sanatan Goswami starts very nicely saying that one should assist, assist one guru with the most simple um, tasks also. At least one should be willing to do so. It's not that I will limit myself to that. If I have other instruction, of course, I will do it. But I will, should be willing to help him with the most simple things like bringing water, washing clothes, some massage or whatever. Something that may be seen in the context of what we call menial service. And we should be very careful of, of how to say it, of appreciating the opportunity of rendering Guru Seva in whatever form it takes. Hmm? It's not that, oh no, only if I distribute books, I will be happy serving my Guru. If only if I'm Temple President, my Guru will be pleased with me. Or only if I collect that amount of money. But not just washing clothes, just bringing water, just giving massage. That's pretty menial. I, I'm, I'm, I have potential for more. <laughs> no, no, we should see Guru Seva in that sense, in an absolute sense. Whatever form it takes, we should be very willing to do so. And especially menial service is a nice way of uh, serving in a very simple way, putting ourselves to test and, 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 and doing something simple, something not very pretentious, in a very humble way. Not wanted just to do something that... Is taking the attention of everyone so we can concentrate on the proper mode of trying to please our guardian. Also, Sanatan Goswami says if the disciple is living with the Guru in Gurukul, disciples should ask Sri Guru which daily tasks I should I accomplish today. Like again, try to go to the spirit of the disposition. Kim Kar Kinkar, as we explain, Kim Karomi. Now, what to do? What have, what can I do? How can I serve you today? As Srila Prabhupada said, that's the only question that a disciple has to make to his guru. As much as you can do, make that question better and better, you won't have any other question. The, the, all the, re, the answers will come as a result to that question. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the main point. Now, it's not that if you are living in your house with your family in other country, you will call every single day to your guru and say, what should I do today or something. So this is mainly in the country of someone who is living in Gurukul, but again, somehow or other one should catch the essence of that and every single day pray to Sri Guru and say, 
what should I do today? I mean, I may know what I will do. I have my agenda, this, 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 but how to do that? Please give me your mercy in liking me so I can address all these daily responsibilities in the most enlightened way. So this should be there every single day. Also, it is said that one should offer one's guru whatever food or drink he may like the most. Again, we should identify with the, the, the individual details also of the Guru's personality and try to please that. And, and daily we should honor the sacred remnants of Sri Guru, Maha Maha Prasad. That, that's the name of what, whatever has been offered to Krishna and then was tasted by the Sadhu and then we receive that. It's not Maha Prasad, but Maha Maha Prasad. Great, great mercy. So that's, that's the standard. Again, if we live with Sri Guru, and we happen to be here with him for a while, ideally we should be always open to honoring the remnants of Triguru and honoring them in a very uh, substantial way, not picking the preparation I like the most. Someone comes and, here I have some remnants for Gurudev, what do you want? I want the mercy. I, I don't say, I want this mercy, that mercy. There was one example once with Prabhupada also. No, Sila Prabhupada was given prasad, he honored Prasam and some remnants were there and he had a very, yeah, they prepared very opulent, if you will, preparations and many of them were left. So at the end, the, his personal servant was coming out with the plate and the, this, there was a whole mafia there, if you will, <laughs> transcendental mafia about taking this and that. And they were picking, no? I want the gulab jamun. Oh, I want the halaba. Salad? No, no, thank you. Soup? No, no, thank you. I want the kachori. So they were choosing Mm. the type of mercy that was pleasing them the most, if you will, their senses the most. So that was not the point. The personal servitor said this to Prabhupada, and Prabhupada said, you mix all, make a hodgepodge of everything. Put halawa with soup, and, and, and tomato sauce, and, 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 and lassi, and chapati, and whatever rice, and make it one single thing. And the devotees were like enraged when they see that the servant was doing that. Say, what are you doing? Of course they were... They were enraged because they were not able to fully satisfy their senses as they want. <laughs> but the point was, Prabhupada ordered me to do so, so we, you could all, all, really honor Prasad, honor his remnants, and not just cherry-pick whatever uh, is most tasty for your tongue. That has nothing to do with honoring the remnants of three gurus. So that's, again, a very important point. We will speak about that in a separate also lecture about Prasad, how to honor Prasad. I'm just here touching up on some points. Again, a disciple also should not eat before Sri Guru. Without the, the permission of Sri Guru, if you are eating with your Guru, you should wait that the Guru at least begins honoring Prasad, and then you will follow. It's not that you are too hungry and you just start to eat in front of your Guru before him or whatever. So all the things, again, speak to us about how we should consider that particular personality. What's the role? What's the priority that person has? <clears throat> what else? Well, as we mentioned, also ideally, one a disciple should not not only not sit on the guru's uh, asana, but also disciples should not use the belongings of the guru. Of course, a guru will never think something belongs to him to her, but we should think <laughs> that belongs to my guru dev. So I won't use that. I won't sleep on his bed, as mentioned. I won't use his clothes. Uh, 
or, or I, w- I won't eat from his plate even, no? If someone come, offers his remnants of food, I won't take directly from his plate, but someone will put on my plate something and I will accept that. Or for example, regarding his clothes, it's possible to use the clothes of Sri Guru, but as a remnant, no? as something that he has already dis- discarded, or gave us as a gift, that's a place, there's a place for that, we will speak about that in next, I think, lecture, with the, in this principle of dadati prati grinati, of giving receiving gifts. So sometimes what you have, this is a very old trick, that all of you can play, <laughs> that you can bring some new cloth to the Vaishnava, and of course the cloth that you know the Vaishnava likes and will use, and in exchange of that you will ask for the old one, so you can have it as your remnant. And we can feel blessed by not only eating the remnants, but dressing in the remnants. That's what uh, Uddhava said in the Bhagavatam to Krishna. He was only using Krishna's remnants regarding clothes. He said, by us, by your servants, only sustaining ourselves on your remnants, whether it be food or clothes, we are conquering Maya by the strength of such Maha Maha Prasad. So one can use some clothes of one's guru as a remnant. But also it is mentioned in the context of Vaishnava etiquette, if the guru has passed away, it is no longer recommended that you use the remnants of your guru. That, then should, those should be worshipable. You can have it in, 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 in taken in, put in some special place, some sort of remnants museum, if you will, or something like this. But no, not so much using them uh, on a daily basis at that point. Also, again, in the presence of the Guru, to say that disciples should not go to any place without the, the permission of the Guru. Again, I'm going to the Gurukul here. You are living with your Guru. It's like you are the son of your Guru, and you are not just leaving the Gurukul doing whatever. I mean, independent Maidan, that's the point, in the presence of your Guru. I'm going here, I'm going there. No, I will be where my Guru is. And. Again, if something needs to be done, of course he will be duly notified. And again, I'm speaking in the context of Guru Kul, so it doesn't mean that you have to call your Guru to notify him, going to the supermarket, I'm going to whatever. <laughs> but if you are living in an ashram, for example, even without your Guru's presence, it's important that you notify the, re- the other devotees where you are to not create uh, unnecessary concern and anxiety. One should take care of the others other others well-being if you will so I, I shouldn't be a source of any type of anxiety in that sense so we have to go again to the principle of this type of statements and also in this connection that i was speaking before remnants and things like this there are three elements that are especially highlighted in chaitanya charitamrita for example three particularly powerful items that it is said that the disciple will always try to receive and to honor in the proper way, trying, feeling I'm receiving lots of mercy and spiritual strength here, which is what we mentioned first, the Maha Maha Prashad of Srila Gurudev, no? that, that uh, Maha Prashad that he, she already honored, and now he's her rendment as well. So that's the first, the first type of rendment, if you will. Then we have the dust, of his feet. Hmm? That's a, a very powerful one. Pada Duli, Pada Raj, the dust from the feet. Of course, sometimes you won't be go straight to the feet of your guru and, and, and rub your face around it. That won't be very becoming. 
But you, you, you have to be expert in those things. Now, if you enter in the temple, your Gurudev left his, her sandals outside, enter, you can take some of that, 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 or something like this. And of course, we should go all, even beyond the literal thing, no? Because sometimes in the scripture, say, for example, regarding the dust of Vrindavan, you should bathe yourself in the dust of Vrindavan, roll on the floor and so on, and you will be blessed. But the scripture also says, Raghunath Das Goswami and others, you should bathe your mind in the dust of Vrindavan. So that has to do to go beyond the, phys- the mere physical aspect of that. So this is the same. Take the feet, the dust of the feet of your gurus, not just take the sandals, no? Take the feet, okay, I've, I'm done. What does imply? Live there. I have to live, I want to live as an atom in the souls of the lot of feet of my Gurudev and so on. Then These ideas have lots of implications and levels of, of application as well. Mm-hmm. So, but we have that. Mahamaprasap, dust from the feet and also the water that has washed his lotus feet. That again, on certain special occasions, like the Gurus Vyasa Puja, like this, there that option may be there. Now we we will we could drink that, or sometimes in one's daily worship, one is doing Abhishek hmm, as to the deities, Abhishek to the Guru. So that that may also be considered, of course, like this. And of course, there are other ways. That the point is, we may try to sustain ourselves on that. Our life, physical life, will depend what we eat what Sri Guru has eaten. Even if we are not personally with him, we offer the Mahaprasad to the deities and then to Sri Guru. So, strictly speaking, we should be taking every single day that, no? the remnants of Sri Guru. And his, the last of his feet, the, wash, the, the water at his feet also has to do with putting our head there daily. His Harikata also could be said as some type of Mahaprasad because he's chewing what has been privately chewed, Prahad Maharaj say, Puna Puna Charbita Charvananam, but he said that referring to material life. No, he said, uh, in, this, in this material life, everyone is chew, chewing those things that have already been chewed. It has not that much flavor any, anymore. And we try to enjoy there. But we can take that analogy to the transcendental plane and say, Sri Guru is chewing the remnants of the predecessor Acharyas regarding Harikata. Their previous insects, he, she is taking them, relishing them and extracting new flavor and sharing that with us in the form of Mahaprasad. He has honored the Prasad, the mercy of the, pre- the Parampura and he's giving us an upgraded version of it. Mm-hmm. So we could also conceive his Harikata as a very daily uh, yeah, not only medicine, but as my Guru Maharaj will say, food as well. That's what Pariksit Maharaj says to Sukadev Goswami. When, when he was seven days almost without sleeping and eating and drinking, and someone suggested, are you not hungry? Or he say, this is my food, Harikata, this is my water, this is my pran, my air. My life has been exclusively sustained from this particular form of mercy. So again, may, many of these points have to do with being in the personal presence of Sri Guru in a, in a general way, uh, whether it be living in the Gurukul or having his visit, that has connection with this aspect called Bapu. And Bapu has to do with the physical service we may render to Sri Guru. So that's a very nice one, but not may, may not be always available. That's a point. And also we have on the other side Bani, which Bani means his instruction. 
his discourse, his pres precept or personal instruction he has given to us. So, of course, that's much more substantial and that should accompany us on, on a single, on, on every single day. And also, as my Guru Mahesh will say, you have then the Bapu of the Bani and the Bani of the Bani because the Guru has given an instruction, but you can take it in a Bapu way, in a external form like and just carry that in a more literal way and there may be a place for that if you are a beginner if you will of we are but eventually we should get to the bani of the bani if you will to the essence of the essence so gradually one single instruction will carry so many different meanings according to each one's adhikar like my guru Maharaj shares the example of his guru marashila Prabhupada when when propagati siddhanta only suggested to him you can preach in English and Prabhupada took that as an order for the rest of his life. Mm. So he took the bani in a very uh, committed way, if you will. Mm. So that's also very very desirable. Now we may have the bapu and, and whenever we have the chance of rendering some bapu, seva, physical service to Sri Guru in some of the ways I mentioned, that that's very desirable, of course very sweet, but sometimes the, that chance may not be there, as we know many of the disciples of Srila Prabhupada never met him, even once, personally, but it doesn't mean that they are less disciples than the ones who were with him physically, because the connection with the Guru is not a physical one. Hmm. So it has to do with a, a very substantial uh, call, if you will. Hmm. And Bani has to do with that, you know, that substance, and hopefully we follow those instructions in a substantial way, so again, all these rules that I'm mentioning here are in the spirit of, yes, we must do that, but we must not in the way of cold law. No? Like, by like my Guru Maharaj, when he explains this famous verse, One famous verse from the Mundaka Upanishad, I think, or Svetashvatara Upanishad, I think Svetashvatara Upanishad, which speaks about how must evabigachet? The word evabigachet is in the imperative and says you must have a guru. But this must is said in a particular way, like you must have a guru. You you cannot but have a guru if you want to reach the ultimate experience of transcendence. It's a must, but it's a must like a natural conclusion, an irresistible one. In that sense, you must do that. And in, in you must have a guru implies you must relate to the Guru in a proper way. So all these different advices have to do with this, those type of must. Hmm. So, <clears throat> we are speaking about, let me share some extra thoughts before we finish, and we, of course, go to the section of, uh, if you have any questions, of course. Um, so we are speaking about the Guru's prasad also, the Guru's grace. Prasad means mercy or grace. So, and we are also speaking about taking things hopefully in, a more, in the most substantial way and not getting stuck in the surface of it all. So the grace of, of Gurudev should be fully accepted. Again, if mercy is coming, we shouldn't accept it partially. As we, I, I was given the example, oh, I will take the Gulab Shaman. I like this part of the Prashad. I like this, this face of mercy. I don't like this other face of mercy. No, no. Mix everything and accept everything because mercy is mercy. Whether it, the form it takes, if you are choosing between a form of mercy, it means you do not really need to feel the necessity of mercy. <laughs> you feel, follow my point. I mean, if you really feel I need mercy, 
you won't have a, a list of conditions about how mercy should come. Even though sometimes we may do that and that's embarrassing. And we may pray to Krishna, give me the mercy, but in this particular way, in this particular moment. And we already know how it should be perfectly from beginning to end. <laughs> so it doesn't seem we need that mercy that much. And that's why maybe we don't feel the mercy is coming too much. Because we already made our minds about uh, how mercy should express in our life. We are the controllers of the mercy we are praying to receive or something like this. But that's not the idea, of course. So in connection to Sri Guru, we should fully embrace his, her mercy, whatever form it takes. And in this case, I would like to finish emphasizing how this prasad can take many forms, this grace. And sometimes the, the mercy will come in the form of an embrace. Sometimes mercy will come in the form of chastisement. And especially in the latter, in the later, latter, sorry, chastisement, of course, I'm, I'm saying that in the context of loving chastisement, intimate, confident, correction, education, like a loving father, mother towards his son. So that's a very special type of mercy that I, we, we will try to highlight. But let me tell you one story that Tulesida Maharaj used to, to share in, the, in this connection about how we may misunderstand, misapprehend hmm, the form that affection and grace is taking in front of us and we may take that as the opposite and attack that while actually that's trying to save us even from ourselves. <laughs> so Sila Maras used to, to tell one story from, from one young Bengali boy and he was a great uh, Kavi. Hmm? He was a great poet, hmm? Bengali poet, you can imagine. So he was very talented, so talented and that he was chosen by the Indian government at one point to represent India, you know, the whole country represented by him in a convention, in a poetry contest, whatever, that was held in Europe. You know, it, it seems it was a real history story. So it, in Italy, so he went to Italy representing his country you know, as a poet and he won. He won a prize for his poetry. So he was outstanding, remarkable uh, personality in that connection. So he returned to Bengal after going to Europe. You can imagine at that time, from India to Europe, you went to the great world and you won the prize there. So he was very proud. That's the point. So he had this great... He was not like the disciple of Ramanuja Char in this case. He was very talented, a great Kavi, but he was very proud. So, of course, if you are very proud which type of Kavi you are, but that's another thing. So, he was very proud, but everyone was glorifying him. So, he was feeling so much nourished, quote-unquote, by such level of praise. But he felt he had a big problem in his life, which was his father. His father was like a big obstacle. Why? Because his father will never praise him. Because he realized he's very proud. So basically his father said the opposite to, to his son. So he said things, you are just foolish, you are ignorant, murk, you are a fool, you are a small boy, what do you know? Stop being so arrogant. So his father was like very strict with him, with affection, but strict. But this guy was intoxicated with Pratishta and so on. So he didn't like no, his father's chastisement, that's the point. So the boy was extremely dissatisfied with this. And he said, 
he would think like everywhere I go, people is offering me pranam, respect, singing my glories, but my father is always criticizing me. He's my enemy. He's always criticizing me. So I cannot tolerate it anymore. You know how pride can be. You can go mad and think everyone is against me. Everyone is my enemy. Only because they are not singing my glories. So he was in such a distorted consciousness. So he was so affected by that that one day he decided, I will kill my father. I will kill my father. All the world is affectionate to him. And he's attacking me at every single moment. I cannot bear that anymore. I will kill him. So the day he decided that, on that evening, he hid himself in the closet in his father's room with a knife, waiting for his father to arrive and, well, just do the needful <laughs> according to his uh, ego's demands. So the father arrived, but arrived with his mother. So they entered and, 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 and sit, sat in the bed and, and the mother of, of the I mean the mother of the boy of the cabbie of the poet said to the boy's father, No, it was poor name, full moon. So she said, Look at full at the full moon. So beautiful. So the father of the boy said the boy was in the closet here and everything. The father said, Full moon is nothing compared to the shining face of my son. And he was like smiling and happy. But the mother said, but why do you say that? You are always chastising him so severely. Hmm? And, and, and this is very difficult for him. I can tell you. <laughs> she didn't know the, the, child, the, the boy was in the closet with a knife, but she realized that's getting difficult for him. Uh, so the boy was hearing all this. So the father, when the mother said that, said, but... I mean, you say he's very beautiful and this, but you are always chastising him. And the father said, yes, but I'm only doing that because I love him so much. Actually, that's why I'm doing that. I don't want him to be proud. I know his, um, his talents, his capacities, and I, want, I don't want him to be spoiled by them. I want them, him to have them, but in a humble way. I don't want him to spoil his life by being arrogant. Hmm? Uh, he, he, he mustn't, he should not become a person who is not accepting anything from anyone and only wants praise from anyone. That's why I'm being so so affectionate to him. So the, the boy was in the closet and he was able at this point to realize, no? oh my God, no? my father is my only well-wisher. <laughs> no? All the other people who is praising me so much, in one sense they are acting as enemies, if you will. Even though there may not be enemies, but the point is, the, per, the only person that I, that I thought was against me, he was my main well-wisher. But that took a form that I was not able to appreciate. So the boy was inside the closet listening to the conversation and he came out and he heard this crying and he fell to his father's feet and, 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 and begging for forgiveness, confessing his foolishness and saying, I totally misunderstood you. I'm such a sinful wretch and, and, and so on. No? And of course his father forgave him and, 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 and this poet became a real poet, a humble one, <laughs> like Krishna Das Kaviraj. Then you can become a Kaviraj. If not, no, no chance. So Silas Yarmash used to share this story many times. And of course he was warning us with this regarding, because we may have some talent like a poet or not, but we may, I mean, we may not have that particular talent, 
but for sure we have the capacity of becoming proud about any stupid thing. You may be not a cabbie, but you may be able to, whatever, <laughs> drink water quicker than anyone else, and you become proud because of that, or whatever, any single thing, we have a great capacity to becoming proud. What to speak if you have many talents? So, of course, the duty of the guru is to tame those beasts, if you will. So, sometimes he may chastise the disciple in a loving way, like the example of the father. So, guru and Krishna, Krishna himself say that in the Bhagavad so many times. So, even if they are pulling our ears, we should understand they always love us. And that's a special sign of mercy. That's a special sign of of mercy, yeah, the scriptures say that. Tadana Bharsana Hai Kripara Lakshan. That's saying in Shastra. Chastisement is a sign of mercy. Kripara Lakshan. Chastisement is a sign of mercy. Sila Maharaj said that on many occasions. Sila Maharaj once said, Sila Prabhupada once said, if the Guru is caressing you or slapping your face, in, in, in both Cases, he's giving your mercy. Of course, this is not to lend it to abuse in the name of mercy and some guru may be a dysfunctional fellow and is just abusing his desire. I'm not saying that. But there is a place for this in the context of affection and confidence. So, in any of those cases, he's showing the mercy. But Silas Maras will say, but especially if there is chastisement. He wants Silas Maras to say, the chastisement that is coming from the higher ranks is not something ordinary. And he once shared that idea. He said, Oh, Gurudev has chastised me. It means he considers myself his property. I'm saved. If my Guru considers myself his property, considers me his property, it means he's taking such a position, I'm saved. And of course, you won't chastise anyone. You will chastise only someone in relation to whom you have certain confidence, certain intimacy. You are not just chastising everyone in the world. So that's a sign of intimacy, properly expressed. Again, there can be a dysfunctional expression of that, but there is a place for that in, in the context of Guru Seva. Mm-hmm. Guru Maharaj once, my Guru Maharaj shared this idea once also, regarding connected to Bhakti Sundar Govinda Maharaj, who was the successor. Maybe you know the story of Srila Siddhar Maharaj. So Bhakti Sundar Govinda Maharaj, he lived with Srila Siddhar Maharaj in the Chaitanya Sarasvadmat from the very beginning. Uh, he was living with Sila Siddhar since he was a boy. He was going to school. So he was kind of a, a son to Sila Siddhar Maharaj, if you will. So, and Sila Siddhar Maharaj behaved with him in those terms, like a father in a very intimate terms. And sometimes he will chastise him, even when he was like, I don't know. I, th- I think I've shared this story even in this series already, but I will tell it again anyhow. So at one point he was like hit Govinda Maharaj, but Srila Maharaj was already almost like 90 years or 80 something with some hand or some little stick, but he was not doing any harm, but it was part of his intimate connection. And Govinda Maharaj at one point, he was taking, carrying Srila Maharaj to some other room because some other devotees were there. So someone may feel, oh, he didn't like to be, that others may see him being chastised by his guru. And that's why he was taking Srila Maharaj to private quarters. But actually, it's the opposite. He said, I was taking my Guru Maharaj there, so he, was, he could freely chastise me as long as he wanted. So, but not anyone will see that, because some people may see that and may get confused. 
may not appreciate his affection towards me, his intimacy. I'm receiving that as a very special mercy, but I don't want that to disturb others. So let's do that in private. <laughs> but whatever the point, this is the idea. No? Chastisement is a sign of mercy. No? Even when when Sri Radha becomes Manini, she enters man, she becomes angry with Krishna. Krishna is, sure, is enjoying that so much. He's experiencing this is upgrading our prem. Her man is upgrading our relationship. Is 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 uh, yeah, is improving the, the develop of, of our love. There's many verses that Krishna says when she's chastising me, my mind goes off from the hymns of the Vedas and all these prayers that many other boats, my mind becomes totally captured by her man. And of course in Gorlila we have the famous example of Advaita Charya towards Mahaprabhu. You may know it, but I'll share it briefly before finishing. That, you know, Advaita Charya was like the senior most member of the community in Navadvip when Mahaprabhu was Nimai Pandit. And, 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 and eventually he became he became initiated in Gaudiya Vaishnavism and he became a stalwart luminary in the whole community. But still he was younger to Advaita and he always treated Advaita Charya like, a, like an Acharya like in a senior, like a type of guru. But Advaita Acharya knew the truth about Mahaprabhu. He himself called him to come, you know. But he, he couldn't bear the idea of Mahaprabhu is treating me like a senior. I don't want that. I want him to treat me like a junior. So that's also a very healthy uh, feeling that one should feel in, in connection to, to the Vaishnavas. No, I don't want anyone to treat me as senior. Why am to feel like that? I want to respect them. I don't want to receive respect. But Mahaprabhu was... Always praising Advaita Charya and putting him above his own head. So for Advaita it was too much, so he devised devised a plan to receive the mercy of Mahaprabhu in the form of chastisement. Again, he wanted this. He didn't want respect, he didn't want caressing to the ego, you are incredible, you are the senior most member of the good of the community, you are above me. Advaita didn't buy that that plan. He wanted highest mercy. I want Gore to chastise me. <laughs> so as you know, he was very well known for presenting Bhagavad Gita, but he started to present the Gita from a perspective of Gyan, speaking about supremacy of Gyan, about Bhakti, about Bhakti and so on, presenting a distorted uh, conception than that one, the one that Mahaprabhu was of course coming for. So when the news reached Mahaprabhu's ears, he rushed into Advaita's place and he started to chastise him, to beat him. And Mahaprabhu was very young, 24, 5. And Advaita was, what? No, no not 24, sorry. He was maybe even before Sanyas, so 20 less, 21, 22. And Advaita was 70 or something. You can imagine a boy of 20 years starting to beat some old man of 70 years. So he was about to kill him. Sita Thakurani, Advaita's wife, was like desperate. Like, what are you doing, Nimai? You are, you are, you are killing my, my husband. And, 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 and Mahaprabhu was you know, chastising Advaita and saying, why did you invite me to come? Why did you call me to descend to this world if you are, you are now, now you are preaching that Gyanis of Bhakti? Why did you make me come and hear such a thing? And he was smashing him to the floor. <laughs> Nityananda Prabhu was dancing and smiling, and Sita Thakurani was dying of desperation. <laughs> it's a very unique scene. And at that point, is that Advaita started to also smile and say, Today I have defeated you. 
today I've made it. So at that point, he might stop hitting at bait and realize, ah, all right, now I understand what which was behind all this. You always were treating me at bait to say with so much respect, but now you have shown me real mercy. You are chastising me without any inhibition, without any limit. You are treating me in such intimate terms. You won't be smashing, slapping anyone like you are doing with me now. So now today, Lord, you have shown me, Prabhu, the real sign of your mercy. Again, chastisement is a sign of mercy. Again, this should be embraced in a, in a healthy way. <laughs> and and, and don't, we shouldn't force that in a superficial way. No? Go to your Guru, Guru Dev, chastise me, please chastise me, show me your mercy. <laughs> it's, it's not like that. And chastising means correcting, educating. And giving us proper vision. It's not about violence. It's not about wrath. It's not about anger. It's about Sudarshana. Sudarshana means that. Sudarshana is Krishna's discus, the chakra. Uh, but generally we are seeing that with like cutting heads, beheading people, and blood is there. But actually Sudarshana, what does it mean? Darshan means vision. And Su means correct. So Sudarshana means correct vision. This Sudarshan acts on an Asura who has a not proper vision. Head is cut means you had some wrong idea in your head. Cut it, replaced by the proper idea. Mm. So in that way, Guru is there to guide us, instruct us, educate us, chastise us, all that in the context of affection, confidence and mercy. And we should be willing for that. And if mercy comes in the form of a smile, of a caressing, we will honor that as mercy as well. But if it takes another form... We should go beyond the form, and we should go to the substance. Whatever comes from Srila Gurudev, it's mercy. He's the Kripa Shakti of Bhagavan. So the Kripa Shakti of Bhagavan is expressing itself in my life in this particular way, and I shouldn't be, uh, yeah, I shouldn't be selective in how, which form, how it comes. I should feel totally in need of that. So whatever form it takes. So again, some of these examples may sound a little bit heavy, strong, extreme, but hopefully you kept, you are catching the essence of them. And also we are to apply them in a gradual way, in a sustainable way, in a healthy way, understanding that also accepting Guru is not something that happens from one day to another. It's a process. It's a voluntary decision, not a forced one. But again, as we mentioned also, that decision, when it's properly done, implies full surrender in the proper direction. Hmm? Because from Sri Guru we are receiving that full commitment to the idea, full commitment to the to the meaning of the relationship. Hmm? So again, Guru Kripa Hikebalam, as we mentioned in some classes back, the mercy of Sri Guru is the all in all. Hmm? And as we mentioned also, no, the type of relationship we have with Sri Guru with Krishna will be reflected we will eventually have with Krishna the intensity of commitment will be somehow reflected in the intensity of commitment in, in our connection to Sri Guru. So in the same way, we can extend this idea and say, the type of inner commitment and, 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 and disposition that I have with Sri Guru will be reflected in the relationship that I have with the Vaishnavas in general, with the Sadhus, not only with my Guru. Hmm? If you love me, you have to love my dogs, will Prabhupada say, or those things that are dear, more dear for me, dearest for me. So next class we will continue speaking about this idea. Not We are not concerned only about being Kanishta Bhaktas, only worshipping Krishna and Guru, nobody else. So knowing how to deal with everything and everyone else, especially 
with the whole assembly of Vaishnavas. So starting from next lecture, let's see for how long we will be speaking about that. We will kind of extend the same idea of Guru Seva, but now applicable to all the constellation of sadhus that are uh, coming to our lives. So I will finish here today. Um, as usual, of course, if you may have any questions, I will now allow uh, uh, space for that. So you can, in the, that case, unmute yourself or send me the question via written form, as you prefer. Yes. Tell me, Archon Siddhi. Okay, so um, if the Guru chastises a disciple and it's based on misinformation, is it is the best thing for the Guru, for the disciple to um, try to give the Guru the proper understanding of what happened, or just to accept it as the mercy and figure that Krishna will rectify the misunderstanding? <laughs> well, I think I will say that the, the answer will depend on the on the adhikar of the disciple. Because I will say that for certain devotees on certain degree, they need to clarify the situation. They, they, they cannot, I mean, it's not enough for them to say, okay, chastisement, mercy, I will take that. But they will feel... Gurudev needs to know the real facts. Now, their, their level of uh, insight is there. It's that one. And it's okay. I mean, you, you shouldn't feel like blame yourself if you cannot just... Uh, but in, in a higher level, the devotee may not be at all concerned and may have full faith and know my Gurudev's heart is informed by Bhagavan directly. So if Bhagavan wants to inform him about the real facts, he will do, he will make some arrangement and have full faith. And if not, well, no problem. He may think, uh, okay, maybe this was misinformation, but also for sure, so many bad things are in me and maybe Gurudev never know, knew it. So if this comes, no problem. I'm even worse than that misinformation. No, so there are different possibilities. There's one famous example of Krishna, that's Babaji Maharaj that he was, you know, who is Krishna Das Bhavaji Maharaj, is very well-known and loved disciple of Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati, Kirtaniya, he was visiting all the devotees, he was loved by all mostly, but always there is someone criticizing, even someone like him. So at one point he reached one temple, and <clears throat> there had been some gossip about him, no? so they say that he said, that he said about him, and all this distortion in, the wind, in, the, in between, because that's how it happens. The distorted telephone, sometimes they call it in, in Spanish. You no, know? like this, 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 this. There are experiments done on that basis, even. You no, know? like how the information gets distorted. So the point is that eventually the the, the con so-called conclusion made full circle, if you will, and came to Krishna Das Babaji, and it was totally untrue. But he himself, in his, of course, Uttam Bhagavat platform. <laughs> He said, oh, finally someone really realized who, I'm, who I really am. Finally the truth is being shared. Because so many people are saying nice things about me, but never they realize who I am. I'm such a wretch. So finally this person was able to realize that. So thank you. So I'm so grateful to that person. Whoever had. So he started like to glorify the one who was saying. So, of course, again, we cannot imitate him. 
we, because if we force ourselves to be like Krishna Das Babaji, we will realize two minutes after that that we are not in his shoes and our mind is still disturbed because someone is saying something about me that is not true, I should inform Gurudev. So if, if that's too disturbing for your present situation, yes, you should go and clarify. But in such a way that you're still accepting the chastisement. No, that, that's the point. No, maybe someone, whatever, there was some misinformation, but for some reason, we should say for some reason, this came to me. For some reason, I have to hear about these things even. If someone is, if some gossip about you comes to you, Silasiamarath won't say that. He was hearing some criticism about himself, which was not true, but he took the stance of, well, for some reason, Krishna is making me hear this. I mean, there is some reason here. It's not just, I have to counteract this as soon as possible. This is nonsense. No, there is some sense here. Why do I have to hear that? Why is some person thinking this about me? So that should take us to some introspection. And if such chastisement comes down from Sri Guru, I mean, Krishna allowed that to happen somehow or other. So I will take the chastisement portion of that. And if I need to clarify, I will clarify. But not just asking Guru Maharaj, my Guru Maharaj, please undo your chastisement because it was misinformation. Retire. No, the, that mercy was there. But I will clarify if I feel that will help the situation. If I feel I cannot deal with that in such a degree. But again, there is place for, for higher versions of that with someone may, and there are many of these in, in, in the scriptures, I won't enter into detail now, but of many devotees that, yeah, infamy is coming to them and they are doing nothing. I mean, because in their humility they feel that criticism is nothing compared to who I am really, I am such a wretch. <laughs> but of course, Krishna will make all the arrangements in, in those cases. But again, if we don't have that adhikar, to imitate them may not be mm, healthy. So I think we should be honest with ourselves and see how much we can handle the situation and act uh, accordingly. No? So I hope that helps. Yes, very, very comprehensive and very helpful. Also, just one real quick question about the yes. poet you were speaking about. Did you say the name of the, the who that was? Or that's the name the of poem? who? The poet that was um, going to kill his father. No, 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 because I, I've never heard Sila Siddha Maharaj mentioning that name, so... Don't yeah, because you had said something like, Krishna Das, Kaviraj at the end. No, no, no. <laughs> at the end I say that because I say, if you are a poet, and, and, and still you are pride, proud like this guy, we are not such a poet, but if you are a poet and humble like Krishna Das, Kaviraj... Goswami, yeah. that that's means that makes you a real poet, a Kaviraj, a king with among poets, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just Yeah, maybe he was named Krishna Das who knows so many names with under with that name there in India. <laughs> okay. okay, any other question? I have a question, Maharaj. Yes, yes, Mahara. That was a good story too by the poet. That made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> that was the idea, great. But um, I also wanted to ask you, and when Prabhupada was here, um, devotees were offering obeisances to him, and they still do it now to their gurus, just in public, on the street, like, you know, or the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. They get down on the ground, uh, wondering what you think about that. And also, when Prabhupada was here, 
he told the devotees not to eat his remnants if he was sick. So I was wondering, um, but they did it anyway. I was just wondering what your thoughts are on mm, that. Okay. So regarding the first question, um, of course there is place for for Desha Kala Bibhagavit, as we mentioned before, to be in a uh, knowing how to discern in time, place, and circumstance. I know that also this happened with Srila Prabhupada, for example, when he came to the airport and there were 108 devotees falling like a, like a stick to the ground. <laughs> and he himself at one point said, you shouldn't do that. I mean, it's like too weird for, <laughs> for the, the other. Of course, if you are only with your guru in the airport and nobody else is seeing that, you can fall out the times you like. But if not in those cases that are, again, very specific one should offer pranam mentally of course but not in yeah in a public place sometimes this is what Rupa Goswami calls loka vichar in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu loka vichar means public consideration hmm. so what the world is thinking not what the people is thinking about what we are doing we should adjust certain aspects to that but on in the intimacy or privacy of our relationship of course there is no such constraint so I will say that regarding the first question, there is place for not doing that uh, physically, externally, if, if, if the environment is not the best. But there is always the, the resort, if you will, of doing all the things mentally, internally. Whatever you cannot do externally because you are at, in, the, in your job or in a particular society or times, this happened no? in, in communist times in Europe, devotees had to whatever hide certain things you will like to express all these things in a certain way but you should also be uh, considerate enough and con- compassionate enough to think about the other people now like this what I said of Govinda Maharaj he was taking Silasya Maharaj to a private room because he realized not everyone will be willing to understand that the same principle applies to this idea and regarding the second question uh, which was the question <laughs> can you remind me sorry It was about. It was about um, taking the remnants. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's yeah. all. Thank you. Well, I will reply something similar to what I replied to Archana Siddhi. That will depend on, on the Adhikar you have. No, that will depend on on the level of faith you have in Mahaprasad. Also, no, like for example, or or you can give the example of Ganga Jal. No, Ganga water. You may say, oh, you better do not drink Ganga water because it's contaminated because of this and that now but if you have you are a Newton Bhagavat and have full faith you may take that and may make no harm to you that's possible <laughs> but again you cannot imitate that no you can't imitate I don't know Raghunadas Goswami eating the rotten remnants of, of the of, of the Jagannath temple and, and he was having a feast and, so, and, and, and subsisting on that perfectly so of course uh, Srila Prabhupada say what he said regarding his remnants, I'm sick, better do not eat them. And I imagine that amongst his disciples, I don't know the details, but there have been different, even different reactions to that. Some of them may have said, this is Guru Mar- our Guru Maharaj's Prasad, it's always transcendental and pure. And if they have that faith, they might have taken that and no problem. But also there is a place of, for maybe not accepting that externally, externally because of certain risk it is possible it's possible but you you will accept that in another way and we will speak that when we give the lecture on prasad which means you will honor 
the prasad. No, I mean Mahaprabhu gave that same example of certain moments where he was some prasad came to him and for any particular reason he could not accept them externally, he would take the prasad to his head and and honor that. No. So even if physically speaking that may affect your health for whatever reason, there is a place for that and you may have a certain health situation or a certain level of faith that if your guru is sick you take that you get sick and he doesn't want you to be sick there's a place for that again but still the principle remains you should honor maha maha prasad because again you may take the prasad with your mouth and ingest that and it doesn't necessarily mean you are honoring maha prasad as we were given the example before you you are being selective about the remnants of my guru and i'm more thinking in terms of sense enjoyment of course some effect may be on some level but that's not the real issue when we speak honoring we do not say eating prasad we say honoring prasad we don't say i will go and eat lunch we may have say that in a practical language dynamics but in our inner spirit we'll, we should think i will honor prasad i would uh, this is just a trailer of the lecture about prasad <laughs> but the point is there's place for for both possibilities that will depend on the particular situation on the on, on the level of consciousness of the person who is taking the prasad and and and, and, the, and the deli and how delicate is the sickness of the guru as well how contagious it may be <laughs> there's so much nuanced uh, panorama there so one should see how to properly act according to each situation no? so one of those answers in in gray not black and white as you know <laughs> We, we, we have to love gray more and more. <laughs> okay, so something else? We have some few minutes, if there is any other question. Yes, Who is there? Ma question, Mahaprabhu? I yes, Mahaprabhu. I can hear you. Thank you. Um, I was thinking uh, <clears throat> how to harmonize uh, the situation in which we are, uh, uh, give affection for, uh, for, uh, for, the, for the Guru and for the Sadhu, but so we also realize that we are in a very still in the unstable stages, and we are not actually very capable of uh, pleasing them with our behavior, etc., etc. I mean, and following their instructions. So, and naturally there can come some shame and the desire to re to distance ourselves so we don't disturb the this type of relationship but then it's a suicidal to remove oneself from the connection with the guru and with the self so how to harmonize this uh, <laughs> if we're still not uh, on the level of the disciple who was internally glorifying his guru when he was praised yeah. or even lower 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 i think you you already know the answer and, uh, and and I already given the answer with my face also, but let's share something something more apart apart from some mudras. You you yourself say that on one say you may feel yourself I'm too low I'm not pleasing my guru he's so high I'm not able to to follow what he uh, represents and you may feel discouraged but at the same time you know if I take distance from him or her because of this you say that that will be suicidal. So, what to do? And of course, what to do is what we are trying to do on a daily basis. Now, each one of us will feel always, uh, I'm not fully able to please my Guru Maharaj, 
but not in a neurotic way, that's the point, no? in a progressive way, in a, in a way that there's always room for improvement. Not, not, in a, in, not in a way that you become, yes, complacent, that you feel, I already pleasing my Gurudev fully, I am doing everything for him, there's nothing left to do. That's the point we, we want to, to avoid. That, those are the dangerous uh, sands we want to avoid. But the point is, we shouldn't go like neurotic or to that form of humility that I'm so low that I will take distance from him because I'm not pleasing him. Do you think your Gurmash will be pleased if you disappear from his sight? <laughs> that will create further anxiety, further suffering. So that's not pleasing. And, and actually the Guru and the Sadhu are very merciful. We shouldn't forget that part. We shouldn't be just like neurotic about like the like the deserving side. You no, know? like I'm... I have no merit, I'm so low, I do not deserve. Yes, yes, that's a fact, we should feel that. But also on the other part of the scale, there is the mercy point, not only justice and I do not deserve, I'm so full. Yeah, but they are so merciful and their mercy keeps extending to us and keeps giving us another chance. And the sadhu is so compassionate that actually it's not expecting. Of course, the sadhu will like to, wants to, to, to make our higher potential flourish but also gradually. So the sadhu will also be compassionate, and if we are sincere, he will be pleased, she will be pleased with that, I mean, to begin with, with our sincerity. And sincerity may be, like the other day I was speaking with one devotee, and he was crying almost, and saying, uh, I'm not humble. I'm not humble. And I was saying, you are humble. <laughs> Because you are crying, because you are not humble. And that's what humility is about. Uh, of course, humility is such a particular paradoxical virtue that it's like anti-reflective, if you will. You can never say, I, ha I have humility, because whenever you say that, you don't have it anymore. <laughs> so you will always say, I don't have humility, but that will be a way of confirming you have or you want to have. So it's a very paradoxical area, and we need to get accustomed to deal with those apparent uh, mm, like contradictory, if you will, situation. So you feel I'm not pleasing my guru. That's one thing. Another thing is I want to please my guru. So I want to, but I feel I haven't done, done that as much as I could do, as much as he should be pleased. Okay, that's another thing. Deal with that without paranoia. Feel fully happy unfortunate of the grace that is coming to you and do something with that mercy honor and serve that mercy in, in which way try to reciprocate with that not escaping from that not getting depressed not getting discouraged all that are ego uh, devices if you will I'm so falling I don't have anything I don't feel anything I don't want to disturb the devotees so I won't speak to them anymore that will be highly disturbing I was speaking with one devotee the other day the same. Say no, Maharaj, I didn't. I say why did you? Were you not? You were not answering my messages for some months. I, I was in, in such a struggle, and I didn't want to overburden you with my inner situation. So I didn't want to create anxiety. But I say you create an anxiety by by not appearing for months. No, so so I, I'm not putting myself in the role of, of the sad and the sad, but I'm trying to connect that point to, to how we may behave and, and we, we may have well intention I don't want to disturb the sadhu so I will have a time so contaminated he's she's so pure but again we are not when we think in those 
ways we are not fully grasping the the power of mercy the power of mahaprabhu's mercy the power of the sadhu's mercy and no matter how fall we are how fallen we are how contaminated we are that mercy is there to uh to to, re, to to redeem us and we are to be redeemed by that and we should be humble enough to accept that and to feel happy that even though I'm, 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 I have this disqualification my Guru Maharaj the sadhus are accepting me in their midst are extending their mercy to me so we, we try to be as sincere as possible as, as in, in acknowledging our shortcomings that for sure that's part of our sadhana on a daily basis but again, in a sustainable way, while at the same time recognizing so much mercy is coming, and and I have I have to reciprocate. I cannot say no to that. I cannot escape from that. I cannot. That has to be much more prominent than all my shortcomings put together, as we always say. So, some ideas that I hope may help and 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 make it clear that yeah, we shouldn't be distanced from the sadhu because without the sadhu sangha, there is no bhakti. Uh, bhakti Krishna Bhakti Janma Mulha is Sadhu Sangha Krishna Prem Janmeteho Punyar Mukanga Bhakti the birthplace of Bhakti Sadhu Sangha when you reach Prem Sadhu Sangha is the most important thing yet so in between we are now in between Bhakti was already born in our life by grace of Sadhu Sangha but we have not reached Prem yet so but if Sadhu Sangha is the most important thing in the beginning and at the end it must be also in the middle <laughs> So we are now there, and Sadhu Sangha is still the most important thing for us, so we should never think about distancing ourselves from, from such shelter, but knowing how to increase our sincerity and honesty. That Because Sadhu means honest. Sad means honest. So Sadhu Sangha means attach ourselves to honesty, basically. That's the purpose of Sadhu Sangha. So of course, if you are not honest, you won't be able to keep in that environment, because there's so much honesty in the environment that you will be repelled if you do not want to be honest yourself. So that's the price to pay. Sincerity, honesty, and that's invincible, as Celeste Maharaj will say. So we should put all our, invest all our uh, currency, if you will, in that direction. Okay, so I think we will finish here. So thank you very much to all of you for your time and, and attention. And if any other question remains, we may continue next uh, next Monday. So, Srila Gurudev Ki Jai, Sriman Mahaprabhu Ki Jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan Ki Jai, Gaur Bhaktavrinda Ki Jai, Gaur Primananda Haribo.